0: So I have a word from the Lord this morning. Um, I was driving on my way to work um, on Monday, and I try to make I try to make it a practice to live a life that is soaked and saturated in the scriptures because I want to give the Holy Spirit something to work with. <laughs> so there's there's some there's some camps that it's just all about this or that. And, the word kind of gets pushed over to the side and some are just all about the word and they don't even realize that the only one who can breathe on it and make it life is the Holy Spirit. But I like to live right in the middle where I just like to live a scripture soaked life so that the Holy Spirit has a lot of material to pull from so that he can reveal the heart of God and his purposes for my life and for his world. And so I was driving, I try to listen, you know, I, I, not only do I get up most days and make my own coffee and It's my favorite time of the day. My favorite. And it helps that I have a really comfortable lazy boy. Come on, somebody. I mean, it really helps when you got a, I mean, I didn't buy it. It's a $1,300 chair. My dad bought it for us. This big old, I mean, it's a big man lazy boy. If you think you have a lazy boy, I have a lazy boy. And I make my coffee and. And I sit and I, I open my, the scriptures and I open my heart and I, and I commune with the God of heaven and earth. I don't know how, else, at the end of the day, Christianity is not offering you a bunch of principles to be successful, although there are principles that God has ordained because he's a good God. Christianity is not really a big long laundry list of do's and don'ts. And, Christianity is not just another way that humans try to discern and fight the fear and the desire to control things or God or others. But at its very purest essence, Christianity has a relationship with God to offer the world. And my favorite time of day is when everyone's asleep. Except for me and Jesus. Come on, I got three little kids. And so after meeting with the Lord, and and I just want you to know there's two ways the Lord works. He works through breakthrough. Someone say breakthrough. breakthrough. And then most of the time he works through process. Someone say process. And I love those breakthroughs. Come on, somebody. I love when he, I love when heaven opens and the person is set free from bondage. I love when heaven opens and the, The sick are made healed, and the dead are raised, and the blind see. But how many know? The more, the quicker we learn to love the process. The the more we'll see Him all along the journey, along the way. The process of a life cultivated, God. And so I'm driving to work on Monday, and I'm listening to a passage I've had memorized for about 15 years, for heart by heart. And I'm just re-quoting these passages on my drive, and. I can only get four verses in, and the Lord speaks. Does everyone know what I mean by you read the scriptures, but there's a time when then the Lord speaks out of the scriptures? Do you know what I mean? Where where the written word becomes the spoken word by the spirit of the one who inspired the authors of the word. And I, I was driving and I just hit pause. And here's the passage. I'll quote it for you. And then we're going to just have a very brief reflection on it. Because it's almost like the, the topic we're going to introduce today is really a lifelong session. And here's the passage I was quoting. It's in First John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. And I I grabbed my smartphone and I I hit pause. I didn't want to hear any more scripture because the Lord spoke. And I saw, many people think this is John the disciple, the beloved disciple. This letter doesn't have an author that said, you know, from John to the churches, and so the best we can discern the literary style and the vocabulary usage and structure, it mirrors John's gospel, but I had to hit pause because I was overcome in my car with this old disciple, writing, this is a circular letter, writing to a network of house churches and church plants, and I can I felt the heart of this old guy who's walked a life abiding in the very one who wrote the pen, the pen, the words abide in me, apart from me, you can do nothing. This same author, I see him writing to these churches about what he's heard. About what he's seen with his eyes and what he's looked at and his hands have touched and and I, the Holy Spirit began to speak in my car and I saw these concentric circles because how many know faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of Christ. And so every one of our journeys with Jesus starts by hearing. And how many know you and I do not choose to hear. We are given the grace to hear. He opens our ears so that we can hear. And I saw it. I saw it like it was a, it was a doorway number one. I remember the disciples when Jesus said, come and follow me. And I pictured John hearing for the first time the voice. And then when you hear, the very next thing that faith does is you turn to see. And what do you see? Well, John tells us, he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So you hear him call your name. You hear him call your name in your sin you hear him call your name it's not to shame you he's calling you to repentance and faith and life and when you hear the message about Jesus remember this the sequence is hear see look at touch and you, He causes your heart, if you're hearing well, to repent, to turn from your sin and your self-absorption. And when you look and see, you see you heard the roar of a lion. But when you look to see, you see a lamb that has been slain from the foundation of the earth to save you, to redeem you, to remake you, to reconcile you to God, to yourself and to your neighbor and to all of creation. And there's this concentric circle the Lord showed me in my car. Everyone's journey starts with hearing. But that hearing is meant to produce a response that you then turn to hear the voice and you see. And when you see, I'm telling you, the only one that bears the marks of imperfection in all of eternity will be the lamb who will bear the marks that cost them for our redemption. His is the only glorified body that bears marks. Marks. And so when you hear the word about Christ, the first thing you see is a lamb that's been slain to save you and to remake you and to reform you. Jesus said it like this in John, chapter six, verse 38 through 40. All of those who look and see the son, the father will raise up in the last day. Faith comes by hearing. And so every one of you who's heard the voice, you've then turned and you've seen this Picture of a lamb that has overcome sin hell, death in the grave by becoming sin, dying the death we deserved, and the Father vindicating him in glory, giving him the name that is above every name, sitting him at his right hand in the posture and place of predominance and authority over heaven and earth, and we hear and then we see, and here's what I felt like the Holy Spirit showed me what to look at there's this amazing passage in Hebrews chapter twelve where it says we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, the author of Hebrews has been telling us the who's who of all of the story of salvation that God has been writing through his people, Israel. And every one of their stories have three things in common. They were not picked, number one, because of what they had to offer, but because of God's sheer goodness, love, and grace. Number two, their whole life they spent discerning what that call meant for them and for their family and for those after them. And number three, they 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 inherited what was promised only through great adversity, difficulty and through persevering in faith. Every one of them shared that in common. And on the heels of this great cloud of witnesses, the author of Hebrews says this. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Jesus. Or look unto Jesus. And so here's what I see in the life of a believer. All of us live out of that hearing. The word of Christ. And then we, faith arises. We turn to see and we see the Lamb slain. And our hearts melt by his love. And then we, we enter into this new season of as Christ followers. We're in our adversity and our difficulty We are tempted to look elsewhere, but the spirit and the John who's writing this letter saying, no, 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 look unto Jesus. So what I see is this. Come follow me. You hear, you look, you see. And here's what I think. Look, I think of look as. I think of look as a close inspection. You hear, you see. And he says he looked at. And I want you to know that God wants you to come close to him to inspect his nature, his glory, his goodness. He doesn't want you just to hear and to see once. He's actually inviting you in a whole life to look into. And I just see, I saw John the Beloved, the one who's reclining against his chest at the Last Supper John speaks not out of a theory, but out of a revelation that there are endless resources hidden in the man, Christ Jesus. And our entire Christian faith is to live out of the hearing and the seeing and then that looking. And I picture look as this introspection that you hold him, and in every different light. You put Jesus, something of his radiance and glory penetrates your heart and your mind and your life and your change from glory to glory. You hear faith arises. You turn from sin and self-absorption. You see the lamb that's slain. You realize you didn't deserve it. In fact, you deserve the death he died. But when you see what he did, the links that love has gone to win and woo your heart, your heart melts in love. And then you enter into this journey of inspecting intimacy and friendship with God, where you begin to realize the promises. They're not just for everyone. They're for you. You start realizing that his provisions, not just for the next guy or girl, but for you. You start realizing that he revealed himself, not so that others could just have a close relationship and you have to read about them and just live your whole life wishing you could know him. But you realize he's come close to you. That which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at. And then ultimately, our hands have touched I don't know. I just got in my car, I just I saw the hear, the see, the look at and touch. And then I see John just gushing with life because his very life is wrapped up in the one who is life, Jesus. And he's writing to this network of church plants and house churches, and he's he's saying, guys, I'm just I'm no special person. Everything I have heard and seen and looked at and touched, I'm proclaiming to you so that you can have that same fellowship with God that I have. Amen. And then the Holy Spirit began to say, "Chatty, do you have that relationship that you gush about with me? Do you have that? I, I have to share the fellowship that I have with Jesus with your spouse or your kids or your, your loved ones. He didn't say that to shame me. He, he said it by way of an invitation, because he said, Chatty, that's at the end of the day, all that you have to offer, offer others is that they too can know God in Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. They too can hear and see and look at and touch. And I see John, the, the beloved disciple, He he, he says all of this because he says, I want you to have fellowship with God, the Father, through God, the Son. And no, he is not. He didn't leave out the Holy Spirit. He gets into the Holy Spirit in chapter 2 and then chapter 4 and in chapter 5 of his letter. Because the only way we know anything or have any participation in the life of Christ is through the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, he says in chapter 2, you have an anointing from the Holy One. That you know that if you're in Christ, you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know the very first thing that the anointing or the presence of the Holy Spirit does in you, it helps you know the truth. That's in your Bible, 1 John 2.20. You have an anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. And you know what the anointing teaches you? Now, again, I'm just kind of telling you that John loved the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, the anointing teaches you about all things. And as that anointing teaches you about all things, just as it has taught you, you care to know what the number one message the Holy Spirit preaches to a believer? Come on, somebody. Yeah, nah? yeah sort of. As the anointing has taught you, remain in him so you have god the father who has throughout all of the ages has spoken through prophets and angels and law and temple and tabernacle and sacrificial system and the levites and all of these codes and rituals and baths and blood and all of this prophets and donkeys i mean come on but in the last days the father what's on the father's heart is the son and he speaks to us through jesus come on somebody And why is that significant? Because the word that the father speaks is the very carrier and conduit of the father's nature and purpose for the world. Jesus perfectly embodies and models the image of God to the world as the perfect son. And he also embodies and images God's intention for the world that all of us would know God as father and we as his sons and daughters. So he he is the perfect image. He of God, and he also embodies the perfect intent of God, which is to have a bunch of sons and daughters that know the Father. And so the Father, he's just always talking about the Son and talking through the Son. And you got the Holy Spirit He's just saying, remain in the Son. He's the true vine. Come on, remain in the Son. Remain in the Son. And then you got the Son saying, the Father's greater than me, and I can do nothing apart from him. And so you just see we're invited into this self-emptying, deferring to other, sacrificial, loving being called God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And John the beloved is just gushing, he's giddy, I just see his heart as a pastor over his people and he's saying, do not settle for just hearing, you gotta see the lamb that's been slain for you. Don't just settle for seeing him once, then get the spirit empowering you to live a life for you and begin to uncover and unearth and investigate the riches that are yours in Christ Jesus." And then I see that don't settle for just looking and closely inspecting. Get up close to his face. Begin to touch him and experience his life and realize that you can actually touch God through the community of God called the church. Yes. Why do you think Paul and all of his favorite metaphors were the body of Christ? That's good theology. We don't talk about it enough. Well, I wish I could touch God. Well, that's why he writes this. He says, so that you all in the plural can have fellowship with us because there are things that Chad, even though my secret times are amazing in the morning and my coffee and my lazy boy, there are dynamics of the nature and character and purposes of God that I will never get alone with God. I get with you. He designed it that way. It's his fault. And John, he says this, if you still had your Bibles open, you'd see it, but he said, I write these things to you because the fact that Jesus, not no, he didn't, listen, he didn't just come with a message for the world. He, he, he was the message for the world. He didn't just come and like alongside of the prophetic tradition and offer wisdom or, uh, you know, a, a code ethic or all, he did all of those things, but. The father sending his son, the the very way in which God has come and dwelt among us is the definitive message that perfectly articulates the heart of our father, which is to say, I want to move on to your city street and live with you and be with you. I want to I'm Emmanuel, God with you. And so the very way in which God sends his son to communicate his heart is the message itself. The God who, when Adam and Eve sinned, and his first response is, Where are you? has been in pursuit of relationship ever since. Tra- tracking us down, chasing us down. And he came, and it's so interesting. He came to fuse and to fix and to solve the rift between humanity and God, and creation and God, and humans between humans. And in the process, we killed him. And God used that verdict of humans choosing to live lives revolving around themselves to actually accomplish his purposes, to close the chapter on the old world and through his death and resurrection, invite us into a new world in which every man, woman, boy, and girl can know God in Christ and experience life. Life to the full. That which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. And he says very clearly, this we proclaim to you. The only reason we're gushing with life and proclamation is because the proclamation of the gospel is not meant to produce people who pray a prayer and who put all of their hopes in the future to go somewhere distant away. He says this, The point of the proclamation of the gospel is that you now could begin to experience the fellowship with God, the Father, and God, the Son, through God, the Holy Spirit. That word fellowship is the word koinonia. It's a very famous word, very extensively written about and studied. But a great translation of it is this participation in the very life of God. I'm writing these things to you so that you may have fellowship with us. So he's inviting people into Christian community. How many know the church isn't peripheral to God's purposes? It's central to God's purposes on the earth. We want you to have fellowship with us. Oh, but by the way, our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And he says, by the way, I'm writing this so that my joy would be complete And I want to say that the life, the end of a life lived of hearing and seeing and looking and touching is a joy that no trial, tribulation can steal. I find it quite interesting that Jesus in the great upper room discourse, he's just like almost four, I could count in my head, but three or four or five times, he's just saying like, I'm going to die, but I'm saying these things so that you'll have joy. I'm going to the Father, but I've said this while I'm still on the planet because I want you to experience the joy of intimacy and fellowship here. Not just someday, but here. I want you to experience the joy of hearing and seeing and inspecting and looking and touching. Beloved, I don't want you to just... Settle for hearing once and then you think you just, you're good for someday out there and figure out your life on your own. No, no, no. You're being invited to participate in the very life of God in Christ and the power of the Spirit. You and I are invited today to, like John, hear and see and look and touch the very one who is life. And then the journey of spiritual formation or discipleship or whatever your maturity, whatever you like to call it has three phases. This is clever. To know what is right and not do it. Anyone been there? That was weak. Okay, I'm not the only one. This is where abiding and learning to find your identity and abiding in fellowship with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You you, you start out with knowing what's right and sometimes, maybe more than often, you don't do what you know is right. You walk with Jesus a little bit. You have a little bit of progress and grace and you know what to do and you strive to do it. Come on, somebody. He loves our striving. But I believe there is a place in God when you know what is right and you delight to do it. To know what to do and not do it. To know what to do and strive to do it. And then to know what to do and delight to do it. And this is not a quick this is not a quick process. Listen, iPhone and, and world travel and globalization, it has killed the mindset of us in the West of how to make progress in God. I just want to fast. I want to pray a prayer. I want to be done. I want to, and I'm telling you, this is a journey that Jesus invites us into. And it's a journey he is committed to every single breath and step of the way. And there are moments when he breaks in and you hear, whoa. There are moments when he breaks in and you see there are moments in the secret place when it's so precious. When you look into the riches of God and your heart is on fire and then your kids wake up and they have a demand on your attitude and you realize I needed to look further, apparently. (laughs) And I believe there's a place in God where we can live out of intimate fellowship where it's literally we're touching God because of his nearness and his love. Amen. Wherever you're at on that journey, you can't hear on your own. He has to awaken you to hear. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I need to hear. I need to hear. We'll hear it. This is the message. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. You need to hear. You need to hear that message that the Lord loves you even as you're loving darkness more than him. His love for you is unflinching and unwavering, but he loves you too much. He's calling you out of that darkness into his light. So some of you need to hear the voice of God and he's saying, come out of darkness. I will not share space in the heart of my temple, which is you and I. You have to learn to cherish and love something else in the darkness from which you draw your pleasure and identity. And I'm telling you, my light is way more compelling than any craving or lust of the flesh. Because unlike the flesh, who promises everything up front, but it pales and it fails to deliver every time, God promises everything up front. And then he walks with us all along the journey until we see his face. Some of you need to hear some of you need to see. Some of you need to see again the links to which God and Christ has gone to communicate his love for you. The light of the world was slain. His light snuffed out, descending into Hades, rising in victory and power. And his first message to the world, peace, peace, Peace be with you. Some of you need to see. Some of y'all are in a season of real trial and tribulation, and you've been looking to other sources for strength or or comfort. Some of y'all need to do phase number three. You need to look unto Jesus and just keep looking unto Jesus and keep looking unto Jesus. When I get depressed and discouraged, I usually go to a couple places I'll go to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew five through seven. I'll go to Colossians one, Ephesians one, Philippians 2, 1 Timothy two. What I do when I get depressed, the first thing I have to do is speak to my soul and say, soul, it is an endless pit of discouragement if all you do is perpetually look in. You've gotta look again at the links to which God has gone in Christ to rescue, redeem, and remake your life. And so the best thing I can tell you as your pastor, when you're struggling in your sin or you're struggling to overcome or you're struggling with a choice at work or you're struggling, whatever you're doing, get your eyes off yourself. Look unto Jesus. And when we look to the links to which God and Christ has gone, your heart again is recalibrated, <laughs> refocused to overcome whatever you're facing. Because this is the victory that has overcome the world, 1 John 5, 3. Our faith in Jesus. And so that call of the believer after hearing and then seeing is to continually look and then walk in overcoming faith so that no matter what your face, the answer is not down here. The answer is on the one who reigns at the right hand of the Father. And some of y'all... You're good with you and Jesus, but I want you to know God's vision, God is a triune being. God is calling you into community where you can begin to touch and experience the dynamic of the life lived of those who also have heard, seen, looked at. This is for some of us introverts like myself, community freaks us out. Can I get a witness? No witnesses. But God is calling his church out where we would begin to not view church as a verb, a thing, or a destination I go to, but as an identity of who I am. I am a member of a called-out community set apart for Christ first, to know him, to treasure him, to love him, and then to practice the ways of Christ within the community called his body and then practicing it together, we're empowered to go out into the world to bear witness to his rule and to his reign.
1: So. Do you have snob?
0: So. That's my message. I had, I have like, you can, someone can take these notes if you want, like 17 pages. I had two different sort of angles, but I just wanted to preach because I knew the Lord gave me a word. But I just, I want to tell you that it's, it's, even though Christ is a mystery, he is a mystery revealed. Amen. He is a mystery. Like, it's a mystery. His glories, his riches, his unfathomable beauty. But he is a mystery that's been, been and being revealed by the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know that even though there's dynamics about the Christian life that are a mystery, like how much is our part and God's part? Let me just help you. Our part's like 0. .0001%. He always does all the heavy lifting. Amen and amen. But he still wants us. He needs us. He loves us. He uses us for his glory. And he just loves being with us. It's his favorite thing in the world. But how you grow in Christ Is not a mystery. Hold on, let me say that again. Because some of us could walk out of this message today and say, that's great, Chad, but you have a lazy boy. That's great, but you pour coffee in the early morning. So here's the practical takeaway. It is not a mystery how one progresses and grows up in the faith. It's a four-letter word. It's called time. You can't get this fellowship with God on the run, man. We can't bring the cultural narrative of hurry and fast and let's get on to the next thing and let's go get a life worth Instagram storying and where everyone can see the glitz and the glamour. You don't make progress in the faith by the glitz and the glamour. You make progress by showing up days. So, for some of you, a practical takeaway is you set your alarm tomorrow 10 minutes earlier than you usually get up. Just 10 minutes. I promise you, it'll freak you out how long 10 minutes takes in our look at your smartphone 2,200 times a day and fast pace and bills and emails and blah, 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 blah. I challenge you to take away. Get up 10 minutes early, leave your phone in a drawer. Grab a Bible, a cup of coffee. Come on, somebody. Open up the scripture. Since we're preaching on 1 John, let's just say open to 1 John. Read a few verses. And as you're reading, have a dialogue with the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I want to know the one that John's writing about. I want to see him. I want to hear his voice and then as he begins to speak to you and I'm telling you his sheep know his voice. It is an irrefutable promise. So whether you think you're a rookie or you don't think you're worthy to hear God, God is a good shepherd and Jesus speaks and his children, his sheep know his voice. You open up that thing and you grab a journal and just read until he speaks, until something seizes your heart, your mind, your emotion, your imagination. Hit pause, grab a journal and find out what he's saying. Lord, what are you saying? How how is this shaping me today to be a son? How is this informing me to be one who loves you, myself and my neighbor as myself? What is this revealing about your character? What is it revealing about my new nature and my identity as one who follows you? And I'm telling you, you begin just add ten minutes to your day. I think I heard this quote, super encouraging: the average American watches four hours of television a day. I promise you, you've got ten minutes. If you agree, say Amen. You've got ten minutes. Many of us want the life of Jesus, but we're not willing to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And what was the lifestyle of Jesus? Here's a crash course in 30 seconds and I'm done. Very early, while it was still dark, he got up to be with his father. Mark 1.35. Silence, solitude, prayer. What's prayer? Telling God everything he already knows? No, sitting and being with God. (sighs) It's that easy prayer is a two-way communication. If you agree, say amen. If you need to learn how to pray, just go to Matthew 6, 9 through 13, the Lord's Prayer. It's a template for all kingdom prayer. And it always begins and sustains and ends with the fact that God is our Father. So we see Jesus getting up, making it a priority before the busyness of his day to just be alone with his Papa. What else? How did Jesus grow? So I just gave you three silence, solitude, and prayer. No one's writing them down, but this is just practices Jesus did. We want the life of Jesus, the holiness and the healing and blah, 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 and to be amazing, but you can't have the life of Jesus without the lifestyle of Jesus. What else did Jesus do? Well, he was always at synagogue immersing himself in the scriptures. Every one of his talks and his parables. Every part of his speech was infused with the very scriptures of which he drew his life from. So it's really hard to make progress in the life of Jesus without becoming a person of the scriptures. And if you need help, come talk to us after the service. If you don't have a Bible, so scriptures. And then what else? I'm just picking on five of them. The fifth one. He had close friends on whom he journeyed with if you're alone, come talk to me, we will get connected. But he made it a habit and a practice not to just go be alone with his father in silence and solitude and fasting and prayer. He made it a habit to go to synagogue and to be immersed in the scriptures, but he also made it a habit to do all of those things together with other believers. I don't know which one hits you of those five or six, but this week, adopt one. I'm not, you know, I'm not, there's no heavy blanket. You need to get busy being spiritual. No, no, no. I'm saying you're too busy to be spiritual. And so let's make a practice and a habit this week to hit pause and to hear the voice of the one who says, come to me. All of you who are weary and heavy laden, Take my yoke, my teaching, my lifestyle upon you and learn from me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For I'm humble and gentle of heart. This week, I'm convinced that you and I can grow in our fellowship with God. If you agree, say amen. Amen. My joy is complete. Because I've got to share with you the good news this morning. That we serve a God who's still speaking. We serve a God that one glimpse of his glory, our hearts cross over from death to life. We serve a God that upon closer inspection, he's more beautiful, glorious, radiant than when we first saw him. And we serve a God that in the old covenant to look on him, you would die. But now, unless you see him, you remain dead. (laughs) That's a cool little end way to end, but that's good theology. The old covenant was, if you see him, you die. The new covenant is, unless you see him, you remain dead. God has revealed himself. He's fully disclosed who he is in his son, Jesus. And all who look to the son live. So come to the table this morning. We don't just do this because it's a good add-on. Jesus himself gave his disciples a meal, radically reorienting it, not around some innocent lamb, but around himself, the lamb that's slain for the sin of the world. And this is a very tangible way to touch the broken body, and to drink the blood that's been spilled. So if those who are serving the Lord's Supper, can you come just even now, just come on up. If you don't know, if that's you, then it's you. (laughs) And I just want you to say, hear the invitation of God this morning to know the Father through the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. How do you start the journey? It's called faith. Faith is the turning from self to God. Faith and repentance are this, oh, the, oh, they're different, but they're the same coin. You Just look at him. And when you look at him, you realize he's already been looking at you, not co- to condemn you, but to save you, to love you and to lavish his promise and his peace upon you. So would you stand with me and come and receive the broken body and the spilled blood.
1: d mm-hmm. We want you reigning and ruling in our homes, in our hearts. We want to host you around our tables. We want fellowship with you. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your sweet presence here. thank you father that you have disclosed
0: yourself through your son we thank you holy spirit that the only way we ever understand even one thought or sentence of the truth of the gospel is through your divine enlightenment and power and revelation and i thank you for my church family god it's an honor to be a family member here i pray that every one of us would hear the call of a father to come to draw near this week. Lord, I pray for grace to take a risk, to try something new this week, to realize that it's never our initiation to connect. It's always at a response of your desire to commune and to connect with us, your sons and daughters. So may we hear that call this week. May we hear the call to come
1: you sing it, I love you, Lord, stand and sing it with me. Be a sweet
0: whatsoever in connecting with Jesus. If you want to learn how to follow him, please don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. You can come, but receive this benediction if you must go. May the Lord direct you to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Today, all throughout today and every day. May you experience the riches of the grace of Jesus, the depths and the widths and the height and the length of the love of the Father and the sweet fellowship, the very breath that you breathe of the Holy Spirit. Go empowered to walk and to participate in the very life of God in Christ this week together. All in favor say amen Amen. and amen.